This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's a Blood Red podcast courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. It's Darwin Day as Benfica agree to a possible 100 million euro deal to take Darwin Nunes to Anfield. A potentially club record signing in the offing with just the medical to go. What could possibly go wrong? To analyse, debate and discuss the Darwin deal here on the latest Blood Red podcast, we have the epitome of excitement, the chief Ian Doyle, and enthused David Lynch and the Echo's own wonder kid, Tom Cavilla. Chaps, I trust you're all well. Doyle, I'll throw immediately over to you. And as I say, they're right at the top, only really waiting for the medical to go. But we know from Liverpool history, they're not always plain sailing. Don't forget the word permit. So there's that as well. So although there shouldn't be any issues with that, let's be honest, he's a full Uruguay international. So no scaremongering there, but I suspect that might take it. It depends on when they did it. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the big confirmation, full confirmation of should the transfer go through or be when they get that. But, you know, that's normally a formality with things like this. Um, yeah, medical to come. Liverpool have done quite well to, although of course, it's a strange one, isn't it? Basically, both sides will be will be uh, claiming victory in those negotiations because Benfica wanted 100 million euros, and there's every chance if things go well, they'll get 100 million euros. But Liverpool didn't want to spend what was it, 85 million euros up front? What was that computer? I can't remember. Was it 75 million? Something I think like it was 75. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 75 million pounds. So they've got it down to 64. Is it? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So, you know, from that point of view, yeah, Liverpool haven't. Um, they haven't set a new transfer record yet because obviously Van Dijk was 75 million. But let's be honest, if he ends up being Nunes, ends up being half as good as what Liverpool will hope, he'll break that barrier. So I think it's fair to say that he's, he's probably going to be the, the transfer signing. So as I say, Benfica will say, well, we're ultimately going to get our money. Liverpool go, well, we didn't, you know, we were able to manage our finances, finances in such a way that we didn't have to spend such a large amount straight up. And as we know, Sadio Mane is probably going to be going to Bayern Munich. Depends. You know, there's no movement there. I don't want to do what I did on Friday and just go through the entire podcast my first answer. So I shall resist doing that. Um, so yeah, the uh, Liverpool. It looks as though it's not far off being done. As you said, Benfica announced it. Weirdly, it was about twelve fifty-seven at night, their time. Yeah. So it's just before midnight, which I'm sure the Portuguese newspapers were absolutely made up with that. You know, like oh, thanks a lot. You know, our, our deadline's just gone, and you've just got to put that out. So cheers. So, I don't know, strange one. I'm, I'm not quite sure why they did it at that time. There must be, there's bound to be a reason somewhere along the line. But, you know, ultimately what, you know, what the Echo had been saying from the start is exactly what, what's happened. They, they finally got that deal, the agreement done. Now they just have to get through the medical, which, of course, as, as you kind of pointed to, Guy, there's never any issues with medicals. And the people are making summer signings for large amounts of money under your club. No, most certainly. Uh, Lynchy, in terms of the deal, obviously it's really accelerated from the middle of last week and we know Liverpool just how quickly they like to strike these deals. So how much do you think there is the need and the desire for Liverpool specifically to go and get themselves a top number nine to, to, to lead that attack for, I suppose, many years to come? He's expected to sign a six-year contract. Yeah, it's an interesting one because he, he sort of, you know, we've become so used to sort of having Firmino in that position in the early stages of Jurgen Klopp's reign and, and having that sort of false number nine, and then obviously sort of transitioning to to this season where they've they've had Sadio Mane in that position, and now he's the one who's looking to move on. So you think you can have someone who's more of a traditional centre forward? It's an interesting sort of evolution of that front line, and I think you know it, it's 
a good move because they had so much strength on that left-hand side where Mane, you know, would have said that was his initial position, probably his best position when he signed for the club. But when you've got Jota who can play there and you've got Luis Diaz, you don't really need to get a like-for-like replacement for Mane. They just go for something that gives them a, a little bit of a, a different option. Although I do, I do, having watched a little bit of him, he does actually like to drift to that left-hand side a little bit from the centre-forward position. But I think, you know, Liverpool want that fluidity there and, and, and options and, you know, someone as well who against sort of deep defenses, who's got that physical presence, who you can you can sort of hit with crosses. I know they've got some good header headers of the ball in in the squad already, and and Joss is particularly good, even though he's not particularly physically imposing. But I think you know deep defenses who really really sort of close the spaces, it's hard to get those headed goals against, and it's hard to break them down. And I think Darwin as well, you know, as well as everything else, he brings he, he brings that physicality and you know traditional centre forward qualities really. And I think. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in. He's still a young player with a with a lot to develop, so you know, still a lot to learn about him, I suppose, and what he's like as a player. And it, it it will maybe take him a little bit of time to get going, but it's you know on the surface a really really promising uh, young centre forward with a you know a big career ahead of him by the sounds of things. Yeah, the the system Tom was tweaked towards the back end of last season with Sadio Mane playing as a, a number nine. Now it feels a, a discredit to say, but. Almost it's an upgrade on that, that that Mane isn't an archetypal number nine, hasn't come through his his whole career playing that role. Yet Darwin very much, that is, he is an out-and-out box player. Yeah, although, like you said, Mane was doing very well in that role for Liverpool sort of at the end of last season. So, you know, it was working well for Liverpool. But like you said, this this will give Liverpool, you know, more of a focal point in attack going forwards. Um, you'd expect that's what's going to happen now for Liverpool. Uh, it will be Nunes leading the line for Liverpool. So I'm just interested to see what Klopp goes with kind of on the other side of Nunes on the left and the right, you know, who he will pick for each match. You'd expect, you know, it probably will be Diaz and Salah to begin with at the start of the season. But, you know, like you said, there's still Jota and Firmino. You've got a sort of mix in as well. So, yeah, Liverpool, like you said, I think a lot of people have made the point of... Um, Kind of comparing him to Torres um, and or Suarez because Liverpool really haven't had that kind of out and out striker for quite a while. Um, obviously, Firmino, you know, people tend to class him under the false nine category a bit more. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And uh, yeah, it looks like an exciting signing for Liverpool. I know you're not going to want to get too excited, Doyle, about speaking like it. About like anything. Just, about anything, yeah. About yeah. anything, yeah. And, until that medical I'm comes quite back. Excited, but... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I'm quite excited by the fact that I'm off work after Wednesday for quite a while. <laughs> I'm really, look at, really looking forward to that. I'll let you all have the transfer window to yourself. I was going to say, you've not you've not quite timed it right, have you? To, to no, it would, have been, it would have been ghostly beat me to these couple of weeks, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it is what it is. But how much of a statement signing do you think it is Liverpool going out and going and getting one of Europe's most wanted or world football's most wanted young forwards? Of course, there was a certain other one who signed for Manchester City this summer, but it does it does feel whether a reaction to that or a big move to make anyway, that Liverpool, off the back of the season they've had, still then going in and paying potentially a club record for a new shiny centre forward to to lead the next evolution, I suppose, of what's to come under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I mean, I've just actually just written something on this. Um, I, it's it's strange, isn't it, the fact that both City and Liverpool have made these signings when they were both independently needed. And if you look at the sense that City last season spent all last season being told you need a new uh, an actual centre forward while scoring about 16 billion goals, but they've actually gone out and done it. And Haaland was always going to go to City, wasn't he? Let's be honest. 
wasn't really going anywhere else. He's, his dad played for City and he was brought up a City fan. And City, one of the very few clubs in the world who can afford the massive, you know, package that it, I actually read something just before that said, while the, the release clause was uh, 51 million pounds, the overall package is going to, if you count in agents' fees and signing on bonuses, is 85.5 million pounds. And if we heard that figure somewhere else before, I do believe that we may have done. So just interesting. I would imagine he's getting an absolute ton in wages as well. There was some suggestion before he signed that it was about 300 million pounds overall, the package, if, if you count in all of that and his wages. So no, no club can compete with that. But Liverpool also needed to sign somebody because Manny said he wanted to go. Well, I'm assuming he said he wanted to go. You know, they've never actually come out and said that. But the fact that Bayern Munich, are, they're waiting for a third bid. They need to replace him. And also they've lost Origi, who was the only player that the senior option, who's an actual, what you might call a centre forward. So you have two teams who, one who didn't play with a forward last season, although I think Gabriel Jesus might question that because I think he's actually quite good. Uh, better than Arsenal, let's put it that way. He needs to, he needs to find himself a, a, a proper club, I think, Guy. What do you think? Uh, and uh, He's heavily linked to, to end up. <laughs> I, know, I know he is. I know he is. And, uh, and Liverpool, obviously, famously don't play with a striker at all with this false nine. But next season, you're going to have both of them. are going to have not quite traditional number nines because, you know, again, the thing I've just written, for anybody who's got long memories, I'm not sure they're going to be Mick Harford and John Fashnu going around knocking people about. And... Even to the days of Alan Shearer, I think those kind of forwards have gone. There's a, you know, there's a bit more subtlety to the play of Haaland and to, and to Nunes. So it's almost like there's kind of a change in tact to, to for the pair of them. And that it, they just happen to be the first and second team in the Premier League, and you know, in the top three or four teams, not in not so much in Europe but also the world. That that shows you Liverpool's standing that they're able to acquire or sign or be attractive attractive enough to a player like Nunes who. I'm not entirely sure he was... OK, I'll open this up to everybody else. Six months ago, if you just said Darwin Nunes, would anybody have said, oh, yeah, go and sign him? Would everybody have been massively interested? I know by then he played... He'd scored against Barcelona and Bayern Munich in the... Uh, not Bayern... Was it Bayern Munich? It was Bayern Munich, wasn't it? Yeah, in the Champions League group stages. But it was only really when he played against Liverpool and people were made aware of him. Well, he dragged Benfica through. I was going to say, dragged Benfica oh, yeah, yeah. into that stage, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, against I mean, Ajax, they were overwhelmed. Yes, he scored the header, didn't he? Yes. So yeah. by then, pe people were talking about him then, but I'm not entirely sure he was regarded as being the absolute, um, you know, most, most wanted player in Europe. I just wanted to know what everybody else thought about that. West Ham tried to sign him in January, didn't he? Which I sort of think gives you an indication of sort of where he was. You know, yeah. obviously, he didn't get a deal over the line or anything like that, but it sort of gives you an idea of where he was rated really at that point. But then, in fact, then the second half of the season, he sort of really kicked on again, and, and then the goal tally just kept climbing and climbing. He showed that the first half of the season wasn't a fluke and that, you know, there was more to come from him. I think that sort of is where then Liverpool came into the mix and, and, and these bigger clubs as well. So it's, I think you're right about that, really. It was it's sort of, you know, he only really has one huge season behind him as well, doesn't he, coming in at this, yeah. which suggests there's an element of risk to signing, although with it being Liverpool who signed him and they're very good at these things, you think they've got a good idea of what you can get from him. And even the injuries, you might say, because he had that knee injury, didn't he, last year? But look at Haaland, he's had a succession of injuries, but City are quite happy to take a, a big... A big punt. Well, I don't say punt because you know I know how good he is, but in terms of his availability, and that'll be something that's interesting because Mane was almost always available. We know that Salah is. Diaz seems to have played about a thousand games this year, you know, and so it, that will be interesting to see. But the thing is, as was kind of hinted at before by, by Lynchy, he doesn't need to play every game because there's so many other players who can still play there anyway. So 
he will probably take a little while to bed in. It's not too dissimilar, is it, in terms of, as, as Lynchy said there, West Ham put bids in in January for him to the situation that Luis Diaz was in. In last summer, Everton bidding for him and then obviously Spurs were sniffing. Liverpool then steal a march. This time around, it was West Ham in for Nunes, then Manchester United with a bit of interest and Liverpool come along and the Masters of Opportunism take their chance again. And Tom, really interested to, to read one of your pieces on the Liverpool Echo website about the role Julian Ward's played in this deal. We know what he did for getting Luis Diaz, but the links he's got to Portugal specifically, even dating back to time when he worked for, for Manchester City, really coming to the fore in in these negotiations. Yeah, uh, just going back to Nunes as well, um, I think Barcelona were also interested in him as well um, during his first season at Benfica. I've just done a piece this morning about what the Benfica manager said sort of during his first season, which was uh, the one behind closed doors 2021. And it was basically just, he got asked about Barcelona being interested in, in Nunes. And um, he basically predicted at that point in 2020 that, uh, Nunez would uh, go on to break the record fee Benfica received for a player. Uh, obviously, it was João Felix at that time, and he was basically predicting that they were going to lose him at some point for a fee bigger than that. Uh, it's not quite as big as that one, but obviously, it's, <laughs> it's happened in the end uh, two years, almost two years later. Um, yeah, and just going back to Julian Ward, uh, obviously taking on the role from Michael Edwards this season, and it's you know it's a good promising start. You know we saw he was involved in the deal with Diaz in January, uh, pushing that forward after Spurs showed interest in him. And um, yeah, the article is just kind of looking at the role he's played in uh, in helping Liverpool sign Nunez. Looks as though we've lost Tom there. Unfortunately, I thought his my internet may have dropped, but no, I think I think he's gone for all of us. Before we go any further, by the way, uh, and Tom, just like for anybody watching the YouTube clip, he's kind of just suspended animation there. So he's gone. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, are we calling him Darwin or Nunes? Well, this is the question. This Dar is Darwin, if you want to do, call, it's for yeah, headline writers, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I'm waiting to see the evolution of what people decide. No, yeah. That's just yeah. pathetic. That's absolutely yeah. pathetic. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of it then, and you mentioned it before, Doily, of I suppose the cost that Liverpool are, are paying out for this, it could potentially be club record. But again, it shows how smart they are tactically, with even within the negotiations, of the fact that they're bringing him in on a wage that a lot of people look at it and go, oh, well, Liverpool paying more for him than Man City paying for Erling Haaland. That obviously a lot due to kind of the transfer fee involved. But once wages are taken into consideration, again, it just seems to be another masterstroke in negotiations from the Liverpool transfer team. Yeah, well, let's, let's be honest. It's not like he's getting paid about £20 a week, is it? You know, is he still getting paid an absolute, you know, quite a lot of money? I know I know the point you're, you're yeah, making. Yeah, but he's not going to be, he's not going to yeah, be know, like a... I know the point you're making, but then he has but then it's it's an interesting one because he probably hasn't got to the point where he's worth that wage, whereas Haaland is. Whereas the reason that City didn't pay more for Haaland is because they knew his release clause. You know that that they can't control what Borussia Dortmund put as their release clause. Whereas um, did did think he ever release clause? He did, didn't he? Um, Nunes, it was like really really high. Yeah, Obviously high. They knew that what they, they knew that yeah. they knew that they were never going to get. You know, Benfica knew they were never going to get any takers there. So. And also, quite clearly, the players said, I quite fancy leaving and I, I want to go to Liverpool. And if you are a team like Benfica, who, is, who are a leading club in Europe, there are very few that you'd be happy to Well, you never have to sell to anybody, but there's very few that you accept that possibly you're going to lose a player to. And Liverpool are now of that standing that 
possibly five or six years ago, even they just weren't, they weren't even close to it. You know what happened when they, they got beat in the Europa League final? And, uh, and funny enough, they're kind of in the Man United are in that situation now, aren't they? Where they might struggle a little bit to get players in because they're not in the Champions League, whereas Liverpool can offer that. And, they, and you know, they've been three of the last five finals, which, you know, given the fact United were led to believe were one of the clubs that were also in for him, it's just it's a significant point. But yeah, I don't think we should read too much into the whole wages thing. I just think Liverpool have just done really well to be able to thrash out a deal with Benfica because wages were never really going to be the issue. It was going to be how much they wanted to pay for the, the, the player himself. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but equally when you then tie in the fact that it's going to be a six-year deal, he's probably not going to be looking at renewing a contract for a good well, three I, 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 would be, I, I think it's going to be a little bit like if he does well for the first year, 18 months, he'll get offered a renewed deal. That's what I'll yeah, happen. But equally then, in terms of how Liverpool seem to run things a lot of the time with the contracts, is a player comes in, does well, gets one renewal that is then a very long-term deal, by which point takes them probably past the age of 30. And then Liverpool again look to negotiate it a lot closer to the time as, as maybe happened with Genie Wijnaldum and everyone saying, give him a big contract and effectively back pay him for how brilliant he's been. But it just shows, mm. I, I, I just think it shows savviness. I don't know what you think, Dave, on kind of how Liverpool are able to, to just continually have their wage bill where it is, yet fight alongside Man City season in, season out. This is a big test of it, though, isn't it, I suppose, because you're losing one of that initial front three who've been such a big part of what they've achieved up to this point and replacing him with someone who is basically Omani. When Sadio Omani comes in, he's that player who has shown real promise, you know, at a high level. But, you know, he's got to, there's got to be a lot more to come from him if he's going to keep Liverpool where they are. So I, I suppose this is the major test of the theory, really, is can you keep your wage bill at that at that point and still be consistently that, that team that challenges for top honours. And I think, you know, you sort of need Nunez to, to really hit the ground running for that to be the case. It's um, it, it's going to be sort of interesting to see how that plays out, really. Is this story, do you think, the completion of maybe the next rung of Liverpool's front three? I mean, of course, there's wondering what's going to happen with Mohamed Salah and his new contract. But now there's been Jota, Luis Diaz, and now Darwin Nunez all arriving at Liverpool. I suppose the ball's in Mohamed Salah's court, whether he wants to commit to being part of this next project. Yeah, it's interesting. Salah said it's not just about money with him, but it'll be interesting to see what else it's going to take for him to, to actually to actually sign his contract. And Liverpool can't be accused of lacking ambition when they've just you know, potentially broken the club transfer record to sign a player who is going to help the forward line and you'd think help him. So... I wouldn't be surprised if there's another signing along the way in terms of, you look at the, the in fact, no, actually, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. It's completely changed my mind on that one. But I think it's because Fabio, you know, Cavalio's coming in and we're led to believe that he's going to be more of an option up front for the, the season coming. So you'd think that he could be somebody who could go off on on, on the wing or cover for, cover for Salah. But, you know, Liverpool, as you said before, they've always been quite opportunist. They're losing possibly three forwards uh, this summer in Minamino, Bruno Rigi's gone and Mane. They're bringing in one massive uh, fee and big name in, in Nunes or Darwin, depending on what you want to call him. And um, so there possibly could be scope for another one. But then you look at the likes of Cade Gordon. He's obviously already played in a League Cup semi-final. Um, I was just going to say, Cavalli as well, and you've got Harvey Elliott as well. Yeah. They were all different types of players. This could give them more of an opportunity to play in certain games, especially with 
And while I don't agree with it, you've got the five subs coming in for all the competitions now. So there is more scope for resting players, certainly during the course of the games. And it will give, give players such as these a, a chance to actually get some minutes. So maybe they don't really need another phone at the moment. Obviously, if Salah goes, then they're going to have to replace him. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, it looks as though Lynchy's dropped out, but Tom, you're back with us. Tom, good to yeah, have you. Sorry back. about that. That's not a problem. But we were talking before about Julian Ward. We've moved on, kind of talking about how Liverpool, the real negotiations of how they've managed to do this. And I suppose now on the the front three, when you really do look at it for Liverpool, there is a, a clear idea of where they are in the position going forward. And I suppose final piece of the jigsaw, many people might say it's Nunes, it's whether Salah does commit to a new contract. Yeah, um, I know everyone's been saying as well about Nunes coming in to replace Mane, but a lot of people have also made the point of um, Liverpool technically replaced him in January with uh, signing Diaz. So um, I guess Nunes is just the next stage of Liverpool's uh, attack really going forwards for the long term. And like you said, it's just a case of whether you know Salah sticks around to be part of that or or chooses to go on to uh, seek a new challenge somewhere else. So, I mean, even if Salah does go, you know, just given what Liverpool have been doing in the transfer market, replace, being able to replace people like Mane, who looks to be leaving the club, um, and, and, you know, being so efficient with the business and how they go about it, even if Salah does go, you, you sort of, you know, have a belief that they would find a suitable replacement for him uh, in the long term, who would be able to fit in with how Liverpool play, um, and sort of that, you know, the, how Liverpool's attack play really, and how it's designed to function. So, yeah, even if Salah does go, I think they still back themselves to find a sort of a go-to replacement for him. Really, Doily, you're away as you've let us know already from Wednesday onwards for a bit of time. Is there a chance Liverpool try and get another deal in before your holidays come around? Calvin Ramsey, of course, from. Aberdeen is believed to be on the the radar. They best not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be very disappointed if he did that. Um, I don't know. Uh, Ramsey, there's not really much movement on that at the moment. Um, in terms of other people coming in, don't know. Don't know. Would you? Would you? I think it's going to largely depend on which people leave now, and that leaves open. Do they need another midfielder? Well, we've already spoken at length on many podcasts about what the long-term plan is there. So bringing in a midfield is obviously a long-term plan. Not necessarily this this summer, although they were obviously interested in the uh, in the lad from uh, Monaco, whose name I can never pronounce. Um, and many. Him as well. Yeah. Yep. He's obviously... Has he actually been unveiled by Rome? He has now, hasn't he? He has been unveiled by Rome. I think bit, over yeah. the weekend, yeah. Yeah, over the weekend, yeah. So, again, we, we, we said that Liverpool had been shown an interest, but were very much aware that the player was most likely going to go to Real Madrid. So, they knew that for, from a while out. So, yeah, they are looking around. I mean, the one name that keeps on coming around is Jude Bellingham, which now somebody's going to quote tweet me on some fan website talking about him. But, you know, it's no big secret that Liverpool are interested in him and would quite like to sign him at some point because why wouldn't you? He's actually quite good at football. Um, but that, at the moment at least, if they're going for proper interest on that, would appear more likely next year, not least because they've just spent, or about to spend an awful lot of money on one player. But we all know that Liverpool are opportunists in the transfer market. As you've said, Guy, and we've, we've mentioned that quite a few years now. And if the situation comes whereby they know they can get him, uh, you know, it could, it, they might look to try and venture down 
that path notice how carefully I'm picking my words here. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. And Lynchy, I hope you're back with us. The the internet's not been kind to us today. If only there was a, a place we could all gather with microphones and record. It'll never podcast. it'll never catch on now. Come on. No, you know, uh, it's never never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. No, not sure it will. But Lynchy, in terms of how quickly they've moved for Darwin Nunes, of course, back in preseason three weeks today, that they're gonna have him around. And as Doily says, now I'm sure the focus will shift to selling players before maybe returning for that midfielder, if it's to be, that the, the opportunity presents itself this summer to bring one in? Yeah, I think, I think getting some people off the wage bill is sort of the priority. I think there's, you know, there's no real rushing in terms of that just because, you know, you're at the mercy, aren't you, of the iron clubs and, and what they're willing to go to and, and whether they want to get their business done early if they think that they can push things a little later and get themselves a bargain late in the window, that, that sort of becomes a factor for Liverpool. So I don't, think they're going to be massively reactive. I, I, I agree with Dolly, really. I, I think, you know, sometimes the, the thing about the midfield being a, a priority for 2023, it can feel a little bit like a negotiating position from Liverpool, but I, I don't really get the vibe that, that that is exactly what's going on here. I, I think they genuinely will go into the season with, with the current midfield options and maybe look to strengthen next summer unless something crazy happened and, you know, it emerged that Dortmund really desperately needed the money, but I don't think they're in that position. Um, so I think Liverpool will sort of kick that into long grass till 2023. And as you say, yeah, the, the priority now otherwise is to, to sort of move some players on. And there's, a, you know, there's quite a bit of interest in some of those fringe players. I think Minamino's pretty much got his pick of clubs. So yeah, it shouldn't, shouldn't be too difficult to move them on. And unless, as I say, you know, clubs maybe want to wait till later in the window to see if they can pick anyone up for cheap. And I suppose, Tom, the first one of those names who could well be getting off this summer is Sadio Mane. Bayern Munich expected to come back in this week with a, another offer. Yeah, um, it's sort of being reported about um, buying, you know, a third bid being considered at the moment. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what the offer is if they do come in with that, because obviously they've seen the first two turned down by Liverpool, and the first one being immediately rejected, and then the second one including the questionable clauses to do with the Champions Leagues and Ballon d'Or. So. Um, I was saying the other day, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of off they do make because they won't want to, uh, you know, run the risk of sort of aggravating Liverpool too much. Um, you know, they've obviously found the second offer particularly insulting, um, just given the clauses that are attached to it. So you'd imagine they would go sort of a approach with a figure that's closer to what Liverpool are looking for, which is around the 40, 42 million pound mark. And, you know, there may be a case of Liverpool having to kind of meet them in the middle. Um, but you'd imagine it's a deal that would get done because it seems like, you know, it's one on both sides that they both want it to happen. Uh, Sadio Mane, obviously, and Bayern Munich want the transfer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. But it kind of it's kind of pointing towards uh, Bayern getting a deal done. And just sticking with you, Tom, as well, what's the latest on that, Phillips? Because I know yesterday you were reporting that maybe, not quite as cut and dry, that he will be off for a permanent exit. Yeah, obviously Liverpool's plan was to uh, initially sell Phillips this summer. £15 million was the price tag placed on Phillips. Uh, but Liverpool are now considering a possible loan for him this summer. And if that is to happen, it's suggested that Bournemouth will be the club that he goes back to obviously spent the second half of last season uh, with Bournemouth and helped them get back to the Premier League and obviously enjoyed his time on loan there. And it's sort of pointing towards um, Phillips returning to Bournemouth if he is to go out on loan again. 
it's not con confirmed at this stage that's definitely going to happen but there's a chance that Liverpool will consider that as an option um, and it's just a case of whether Bournemouth come in for him again and it, you know they may well do given how well he sort of slotted into their defence next season and as they prepare for a return to the Premier League he could be a good option for them. I'm, I'm intrigued by that one because I think some, I remember I've read somewhere that someone said he needs a season to prove himself in the Premier League. It's like, hang on, he just played for Liverpool when they had, you know, hardly any centre backs, and he helped them into the Champions League. So I don't see why that should be a problem. Equally, I mean, the other two seasons he's had away from Liverpool with, with Stuttgart and now with Bournemouth, he's won promotion in both of them. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's, he's obviously fairly decent. We know that for a fact. I mean, I um, I just wonder whether or not it may be a case of. Other teams being creative, and maybe there's, there'll be. A, this is me just guessing now. Before anybody tries to quote me again on this, is that this is me guessing? Um, basically, saying that Liverpool could say, right, you can take him on loan with an obligation to buy for 15 million, and that obligation can only possibly be triggered if they stay in the Premier League, because then they know they'll have the money. So that might be something that they're looking, they're looking at. But you know, that's just me guessing. I do think there's going to be a lot of that. I think that the way the club finances are, because a lot of the clubs are still hit from that. What was it, 12? 14 months without crowds and I think they're still trying to get up to back up to you know, positions that they were in before and and while I think I remember we talked about two years ago about whether it was going to impact the transfer market it didn't seem to initially but I do think in terms of the way deals are structured and, and you're going to get a lot more loan, loan moves and swaps and stuff like that you've seen a lot more free transfers or it just seems to be look I mean look at Chelsea I know there's a slightly different situation where some of the players didn't know what was going to be happening because what happened with Abramovich and having to sell the club. But uh, I think I've still got three or four of the... Most of the defences leaving on a free transfer, aren't they? And that just wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. So I think possibly that's kind of switched more towards the player in terms of their power, which, of course, brings us all the way back to Salah and brings us back to Mane, where perhaps clubs have been not forced into situations, but thinking, well, we do actually need to do something here. And it just happens to be that Liverpool have a lot of players who are out of contract or entering the last 12 months of their contracts. And one of them is Matip. And that goes back to Nat Phillips and whether Liverpool are going to go, well, we probably might not give uh, Joe Matip a new contract, see what Nat Phillips is like, whether he could become a, a you know, a, in line to be a, a place, uh, an option to centre-back. But then if Nat Phillips plays all week, uh, all month, uh, all season even, at, at Bournemouth, why would he want to come back to Liverpool and be the fourth choice centre-back? Yeah, intriguing, so what, isn't it, guys? It's intriguing. No, it is, but so Matip's contract, does it run to next season or the year after? 24, is no, it? No, it's next season, isn't it? I think. I think it's 24, wasn't it? Is it? Signed, uh, it's 24. He signed a new five-year deal in 2019. Ah, of yeah. course, yeah. Ah, so, no, everything I just said about Matip, just ignore that. No, but it, uh, no. Even though, was, even though it was wrong, even though I've already wrong, switched, I've already switched off, haven't I? Let's face it. <laughs> no, it, it. It makes it makes sense in terms of if if Phillips goes out on a loan for the next season, that's then where Matip has twelve months left on a contract. Yes, where it's again either go out on a one another one year loan or even be part of the squad and start taking on some first team minutes before Matip potentially leaves. But we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. We're going to wrap up there here on this latest Blood Red podcast. We have recently launched an email address, bloodred at reachplc.com. So if you want to get in touch with us with uh, any correspondence you want, and we will try to uh, make that a regular feature of the podcast. If you're an internet provider, please do reach out to Lynchy <laughs> and to Tom Villa. <laughs> As uh, we wrap up, though, 
Doily ready to put his uh, holiday request in and his out-of-office email on. But from the rest of us, we will be back on Friday. Myself, Guy Clark, David Lynch, Tom Cavilla and Ian Doyle. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.